0: Australia is about 1.5 degrees warmer than it was 100 years ago. Bushfires, cyclones, heat waves, and drought are increasing as a result of global warming. And with these catastrophic weather events comes the undeniable fact that climate change is bad for your health. Here to discuss our last report for the year, Climate Change and Health Preparing for the Next Disaster, is Will Mackey, Senior Associate with Grattan's Health Programme, And a key researcher on this report. Welcome Will. G'day. Now your report breaks down into two main areas. How do we prepare the health system for future climate disasters? And how can the health system and governments act to reduce climate change? But first I'd like to take a step back. It wasn't so long ago that many of us experienced the terrible bushfires of last summer and the visions of Australia's east coast up in flames. I mean, I remember the visceral feeling of driving home from Sydney to Melbourne at New Year, and I did the 12-hour trip solo as I tried to get down the Hume Highway on the one day that it had opened. And when I was driving down, you know, this red smoke was across the sky and there was even burnt embers on the median strip, and it was quite a terrifying experience. So we're all really well aware of the primary effects of bushfires, which are the loss of lives and homes directly by fire, But, Will, I was wondering if you could take us through some of the less discussed effects that bushfires had on people during the Black Summer.
1: Thanks, Kat. Um, The bushfires last summer were devastating. There were 33 people who were killed directly by the fires. Thousands lost their homes and their livelihoods. Millions of Australians were also affected by bushfire smoke that covered Canberra and then Sydney, then Melbourne, uh, as long as many other regional areas. More than half of all Australians were exposed to bushfire smoke, and more than half said that, this, that that exposure made them feel anxious or worried. The smoke also sent thousands of people to the emergency department for respiratory or heart problems, and the smoke alone caused an additional estimated 400 deaths. But also, that's kind of what we know now. The bushfires are a, a, a recent memory. The long-term health effects are still going to be felt. First of all, the long-term health effects of uh, uh, long exposure to bushfire smoke is not really fully understood, especially in the Australian context. Those who fought the fires and those who lived in hard-hit areas, you know, the ones who lost their homes and lost their communities, are much more likely to suffer mental health consequences and they'll be feeling those effects for decades to come.
0: So, I mean, the Black Summer was a tragic once-off occurrence How can we extrapolate an argument for climate change policy and preparedness from this one instance of a particularly bad bushfire season?
1: Bushfires have long been part of Australian life, but a warming climate means longer heatwaves and less rainfall in fire-prone areas across Australia. 2019 was the hottest year on record. It was also the driest year on record. Bushfires started in the spring and didn't stop. There were more days of extreme fire weather too. The Bureau Bureau of Meteorology and the CSIRO have found that over the past fifty years, the number of dangerous fire weather days experienced by parts of the country increased by twenty-five days. So this is twenty-five days more of, of, of high bushfire risk, meaning twenty-five days more where a potentially catastrophic fire can start and spread. The black summer bushfires in Australia were analysed by climate researchers in a field called attribution studies, which is a field used to determine whether specific large-scale natural disasters were made more likely to happen because of climate change. This research found that a changing climate had made the recent bushfires in Australia more than 80% more likely to happen. So almost double, we've almost doubled our risk at the moment of bushfires like, like those experienced in the black summer happening. If global warming hits two degrees, we're going to be four to eight times more likely to have bushfires. But this isn't news. Like, this isn't something that we're learning this year. The, the Garneau Climate Change Review more than a decade, decade ago said that Australia's bushfire season would start earlier, end later, and be generally more intense. And quite prophetically, that we would start to see these effects by 2020. Well, 2020 is here. Climate change is no longer just an issue for our children or their children. It's here, it's happening now, and it's having a real effect on the health of Australians. It's going to cause harsher heat waves and more severe storms. In the far north of Australia, cyclones will be more intense, causing floods that will destroy homes and communities. And at the same time, further south, droughts will be longer, creating more hardship for farmers and regional towns and cities.
0: So, Will, what should the health sector be doing to prepare and communicate with the public in times of climate disasters?
1: Because of climate change, natural disasters will be more severe and will happen more frequently. We do need a national approach to allow for this coordination across state borders. First, the government should establish an explicit climate change and health subcommittee of the Australian Health Protection Principle Principal Committee, the AHPPC, which, you know, kind of led Australia's response to COVID during 2020. This sub- subcommittee would be tasked with climate change adaption and mitigation strategies uh, in, in, in the health sector and would incorporate research by existing subcommittees like the Communicable Diseases Network Australia, Environmental Health Standing Committee, and the National Health Emergency Standing Committee. It would also provide its own advice and do its own research. These officials should meet regularly share strategies, and encourage coordinated and consistent national action where appropriate. This forum should include officials from the Commonwealth and all states and territories. Second, the Commonwealth Department of Health should also incorporate climate change and health into their long-term plans and priorities. You know, the World Health Organization has called climate change the biggest health risk facing, facing the world. That needs to be reflected in the Commonwealth Department of Health uh, planning documents. These two changes will put climate change and health on the national agenda where it needs to be. From there, the Commonwealth, state and local government should all actively communicate with their communities about broad climate change health risks they face. So public health authorities should develop and promote action plans for health risks exacerbated by climate change. For example, the increased r- risk of heart attacks and heat-, heat strokes during severe heat waves or respiratory illnesses during the bushfire season. After Victoria experienced a severe heat wave that killed 134 people in 2009, an audit of the response provided some insight to what went wrong and what we kind of need to be doing better. It found that communication with the public needs to be clear and targeted to populations who are at greater risk. And uh, this includes telling them why. Communications need to be delivered directly to phones using emergency warning systems, but also through traditional and social media. They should be timely, these warnings, and therefore the monitoring needs to be in real time, for example, real-time monitoring of air pollution, and where possible, proactive. For example, you know we know we can forecast the weather a few days in advance, we know when a heat wave is going to come, and in the same way, we know when hazard reduction burns that do affect uh, the health of people nearby, we know when they're going to occur, and so warnings should be sent out proactively. And we need to provide advice directly to relevant organisations that need it. So this includes health services, but also schools, workplaces, aged care facilities and community organisations. Developing a sensible coordinated warning system is low cost. And it saves lives.
0: I couldn't agree with you more, Will. And I think we've seen some of that rapid and agile development come out of the coronavirus pandemic, um, especially in terms of technology and communicating with the public. And I'll touch on that a little bit later in the podcast. I think one of the difficulties we've always had in uh, public health communications is that reaching different language groups but also uh, targeting specific people and specific communities that are at high risk is sometimes difficult but a very important thing that needs to be done. The report makes a really important point that climate change disproportionately affects certain populations. Who is at more risk during climate emergencies? I mean, and who should these communications messages be really specifically targeted to.
1: Some Australians are more at risk than others when it comes to climate emergencies or these these climate disasters. Older people, for example, and people with existing health conditions are at greater risk. At uh, the other end of the scale, children are particularly vulnerable to, for example, extreme heat. Um, this is particularly bad for very young children. The medical community, so GPs, um, already have this connection with people, and that should be that should be used. They know. Uh, which which one of their their regular patients are older or have existing health conditions or are very young. We saw this kind of inequality in in, in terms of impact play out during the COVID nineteen pandemic this year. Those who could work from home and practice social distancing did do that and were and were kind of spared exposure to the virus. But many couldn't. You know those who needed to go to their workplace or those who live in crowded housing couldn't avoid contact with people and so were much more likely to catch the virus. And the same is true for climate emergencies or climate disasters. During heat waves or days of really hazardous air quality, health advice is often, you know, stay inside or stay cool. And some have that opportunity. You know, they can stay inside, they can work from home, they can put on the air conditioner. But others don't have that opportunity. Others have to work outside, or they have to go outside to, you know, administer care. So escaping the effects of these of these extreme weather events is often a luxury that many people don't have. And that needs to be worked into health advice for specific people. In addition, mu- much of the impact of natural disasters is economic. Droughts are more likely to affect people on farms. Bushfires and floods will destroy people's homes. This places people under severe financial stress. That will affect some people more than others. So, some people who are you have lots of money in your bank, you you know might be under less financial stress than than, than if you don't. Um, and this financial stress can exacerbate and cause severe mental health problems, not just at the time of, of the event, but also down, down the line.
0: So that brings me to one of the really important points of this report is that climate change doesn't just affect physical health, it affects mental health. And, and we talked a little bit about the drought, but also what I found really interesting was the increase in mental health costs after the Queensland floods, people experiencing PTSD and other associated mental health problems. I think you've talked about this a little bit, why climate emergencies affect mental health. But I'm interested in what you're proposing to do about it as well.
1: So direct physical health effects are often the things reported and spoken about after a natural disaster. But these natural disasters have severe severe impacts on people's mental health. Bushfires and floods can destroy homes and communities leading to PTSD and depression. Droughts destroy livelihoods that can lead to severe financial stress causing and exacerbating mental health issues. These mental health problems can last for decades. A follow-up after the 2009 bushfires in Victoria found that among people who lived in these highly affected communities, about 20%, one in five, had a probable psychological disorder and were not receiving care. This is an unfortunate reality of bushfires, but it is predictable. We know this is coming. So governments need to act early to address the long-term risk to mental health from natural disasters. They should include early intervention measures and a scaled response when a disaster does occur. Primary health networks across Australia should review their mental health plans to ensure they address the increased risk from climate change that are relevant to their local communities. They should focus on building at-risk communities' resilience to natural disasters, particularly for long-term disasters such as drought. The support of friends, family, social networks, and community groups is also crucial during and after disasters, and this should be tapped into by primary health networks when a disaster strikes, government should ensure that, that community mental health services are equipped to meet the increased needs for services. This is particularly important for regional and rural communities that have at least in the past had fewer uh, had lower access to mental health services than larger towns or cities and these mental health plans should include processes to boost local mental health services when a disaster strikes. Essentially, we know that these mental health problems are going to be triggered. They're going to start when a disaster does strike. They're going to last for a long time. We need to proactively act when the disaster does strike so we can minimise these impacts on the people and communities involved.
0: Earlier this year, the science fiction author Kim Stanley Robinson proposed in The New Yorker that coronavirus was rewriting our imagination that the dynamic way we have learned to adapt and trust the science when it comes to coronavirus should be transferred to our approach to climate change. I wanted to ask you what lessons have we learned from COVID that we can apply to addressing climate change?
1: So Australia handled COVID-19 really well, and we can see that now we've got almost zero cases throughout the entire country compared to other parts of the world that are seeing hospitals overwhelmed. And we did that first by taking a national approach, we had national coordination at the top. Second, leaders listened to the science and really importantly, leaders understood that actions today will have consequences tomorrow and into the future. We decided that we can lock down now because if we don't, in the future, we will have problems if we do lockdown now, leaders recognize that we will save ourselves from these problems in the future. And this is exactly the approach that we need to take with climate change and health now. We know that our actions today are going to have severe consequences for our health and wellbeing in the future. And so we need to act now. The Commonwealth Department of Health needs to get serious about climate change and health. It states in its vision that it is for the better health and wellbeing for all Australians now and for future generations. But at the moment, there is little mention of the greatest health risk facing our current and future generations, which is climate change. So the Commonwealth Department of Health needs to be the leader here. It needs to lead the way. Also, there needs to be the National Subcommittee of the AHPPC, which will coordinate research and provide advice to leaders. And those leaders need to listen to that advice. They need to listen to the science. They need to look into the future about what will will happen. And they need to take action now to help save lives of Australians now and into the future.
0: Thank you so much, Will, and that is a very important point that we should be aiming to save lives of Australians now and into the future by working to mitigate the risk from climate disasters. If you'd like to read that report, it's available for free on our website at grattan.edu.au. It is our last report for the year. But we should have two special podcasts for you coming up. Our uh, Gear in review with Danielle Wood, our CEO, and the wonderful summer recommended reading list for the Prime Minister. And we have an event coming up on the Monday, the 14th of December, which you can also register for on our website with Danielle, Geraldine Doog, and a host of wonderful authors who will be popping in to our Zoom webinar. So please sign up for that. We'd love to see you there. As always, please take care Care, especially as the temperature does continue to increase over summer and thank you so much for listening